0: welcome back to Film Shake, the 90s movies podcast. I'm Jordan. This is Nick. And this is episode 24. We're here to talk about Waterworld. That's right, we're the 90s movie podcast, talking about everything from the terrible to the awesome. And right up front, Nick, we're going to talk about, I'm guessing, something terrible. Because last time, you lost the trivia battle, and I made you watch... Hulk Hogan's Mr. Nanny. Let's hear about it.
1: Jordan, can I just tell you, I am so glad that I let you beat me at trivia the last episode because it's been so long
0: that I've <laughs> you got... Let, you, you let me beat you? Of course. What are you talking Jordan, about? Of course. Don't disgrace my win with such propaganda. <laughs>
1: okay, you won fair and square. We've got a,
0: enough lies going on in the world right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let me tell you, right up front, before I even talk about Mr. Nanny... There's some things going on in the country today, and I was really glued into those things because they're pretty major things, and I totally forgot to run to the Circle K and get my Monster. So instead of drinking my Monster right oh, now- Oh no,
0: our sponsor of this episode.
1: I'm sorry sponsor that I'm still trying to get. I just keep tweeting them. One day they're going to come around, but I just have yeah. a giant sack of Christmas M&M's, so that's what I'm eating right now to keep myself awake yeah you know
0: <laughs> that's what you're living off of yeah
1: that's right yeah so those things happened I didn't get my monster and now I'm eating m and I'm ready to talk about Mr. Nanny
0: do it and yes for those that are listening perhaps later today is January 6th and so yeah as as far as the things happening going on in the world today we're talking about pro-Trump supporters have invaded Congress and tried to take over the Capitol but yeah much more important things here to talk about. Mr. Nanny, take it away.
1: That's right. It's it's time to talk about Mr. Nanny. Um, i actually just <laughs> realized, you know, current events kind of reflect on Waterworld, but we can get to that later. Because yeah,
0: we can get to that for sure.
1: Honestly, who wouldn't want to watch Mr. Nanny?
0: Obviously, you did not, because... <laughs> You put it off uh, until I punished you with it. That's right. Would you have ever watched this movie without that punishment?
1: Well, Jordan, I've seen it twice before now.
0: Oh, before being punished with it? That's right. Was it a willing watch, though? Did you willingly watch it? Or was it just like you were stuck somewhere? Like, you often get stuck... And have to watch a movie twice somehow.
1: Well, I'm going to explain how I got stuck in the early 90s watching so many bad (laughs) movies multiple times, because I always allude to that, and you're like, how does that happen? I'm going to tell you how
0: it happens. Yeah, I just still don't understand that. Just turn it off, man.
1: This is how it happens. Sometimes in the summer, in the early 90s, I used to go to work with my mom, right? And there was a room with a combo, you know, it was like a six-inch TV, combo VCR set, right? So... The thing was, a lot of times my little brother and my little sister were there, so we had to rent something on the way there that they could also watch, which means I got stuck watching a bunch of PG and G-rated crap from the early 90s, and now kids' movies, I mean, think about those Paddington movies that came out recently. Those are incredible works of art, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, great five out of five.
1: But that's not what we got in the early 90s. We got Mr. Nanny. And lots of other movies like Mr. Nanny. And guess what? When you're stuck all day in a room with your brother and sister, and your only option is to watch Mr. Nanny, you might think, well, why don't you just sit there for nine hours? No, I just watch Mr. Nanny over and over again until it's time to go. It doesn't matter how bad it is. (laughs) And let me just tell you, I actually enjoyed it a little bit this time, Jordan. I enjoyed Mr. Nanny a little. Wow. Hey, Jordan, let me ask you a question. Are you a fan of the band, the New York Dolls?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, I'm familiar with them. I've heard a little bit of their music, but I, I couldn't point out any of their songs, honestly.
1: Guess what, Jordan? I'm not that cool either. I've only heard of the New York Dolls <laughs> dropped in reviews of other bands I like saying, inspired by the New York Dolls, the seminal New York Dolls. I can't tell you a damn song that band sings, Jordan. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. The frontman of the New York Dolls, David Johansson? is the main villain in Mr. Nanny. That's right. When you want Hulk Hogan (laughs) to face off against an equal muscle master, you want the dude wearing shades and a fancy scarf who fronted the New York dolls. But let me tell you what, this dude is terrifying. He is so scary in this movie, man. He's got a metal head because he was involved in this incident before with Hulk Hogan where his head basically got shaved. The top of his head got chopped off. He got scalped, and now he's got a metal head. And he's always having it. Was sharpened. he scalped
0: by Hulk Hogan?
1: I, I can't. It's a really convoluted story, and I have seen this three times, but <laughs> okay. I never could pay attention that much to him giving the exposition. Because <laughs> I got to tell you something else about right. David Johansson. He is not a good actor. Shockingly, he's hmm. you know,
0: shockingly,
1: he's not that good, right? So. I don't, I don't remember, but something happened, and he talks in a really loud voice, and there are lots of extreme close-ups of him screaming and banging things on his metal head, and it's just really scary, and he tortures the kids, Jordan, he tortures Hulk Hogan, he yells all of the sets on every scene that he's in. It looks like they're from a detective show that would have come on Cinemax at 1 a.m. in the early 90s. Uh <laughs> Where the main focus of the show wasn't on detective work, it's really bizarre. I don't know if they were on a low budget and they're like, "We got to use the, this Red Shoe Diaries factory set that we used. Uh, that's all we got, and we got to use the same cinematographer and the same gauzy camera film." Because, dude, this movie is so like okay, it takes what I didn't even say what it's about, but it's in the title, Mister Nanny. Hulk Hogan, he's a nanny. He's the best nanny you could possibly have, right? Because he's cool. He's the Hulkster. You get Hulkamania just looking at him. He watches these two spoiled kids who hate him at first because they hate all their nannies because their dad does not pay attention. Ever since their mom died, their dad just can't handle them because he's not in touch with his feelings, Jordan. He hasn't really processed the mom dying, and he's scared he's not going to parent the kids right. In steps Hulk Hogan. He's the best dad ever. Guess what, Jordan? You know who plays the dad in this movie? Have you heard of Austin Pendleton? I haven't heard of Austin Pendleton. I'm going to answer for you. You probably haven't either cuz neither one of us are big Broadway fans. Just full disclosure, I, I don't think that you're hidden the strip to catch the newest plays every week, right?
0: I mean, I'm I'm down, uh, you know, I can quote some Hamilton.
1: I think we can both see a swamp from our respective front doors and we live like 30 miles away from each other here in southern Louisiana. So
0: <laughs> we've we've got that swamp class. Come on. <laughs>
1: Austin Pendleton is a Broadway star, and he's actually a tremendous actor. He's incredible in this movie. He does like this weird sort of like avant-garde, stumbling, bumbling performance where it really seems like he's this these kid's dad and doesn't know what he's doing. It's just like this really realistic performance in this total gonzo, insane movie. That the first half is just the kids doing Home Alone <laughs> traps to Hulk Hogan. You know, he's just getting tarred and feathered. Hard and uh, that. Well, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the sets. And
0: tart, and, tart and Heathered. That was one of
1: the Cinemax 1am movies. <laughs> Actually, yeah, all this stuff happens in the first half, but then the kids realize, like, Hulk Hogan's not going to leave us. Like, our dad always leaves us. It doesn't matter what we do to him. He loves us unconditionally. Which, that's not quite true, because Sherman Hemsley, he's George Jefferson from the Jeffersons, and he's just... <laughs> Basically, he owes a lot of people money. He was Hogan's manager when Hogan. Hey, by the way, we're just going to talk about Mr. Nanny. I just decided this is a Mr. Nanny episode, and I want to talk about this for an hour.
0: This is a... <laughs>
1: just letting you know. No
0: more Water World, just Mr. Nanny. <laughs>
1: I just yeah. want to talk about Mr. Nanny, man.
0: I have another Hulk Hogan movie I want to ask you about this, so we can't dominate it with just Mr. Nanny, but okay. carry on.
1: Okay, let's see. I've talked about Mr. Nanny for like seven minutes already. So I'll try to talk. I'll try to wrap it up in two more minutes. So I'm going to talk really fast. All right. So George Jefferson and I listen to our show when I play back at two speed because that's just my speed. So it'll be even faster when I listen back to it. It'll be fun.
0: (laughs) How can you do the two speed? I I can't do it, man. But anyway,
1: I'm going to try to do it while I'm just regularly talking. That way it'll be like four speed. So Hulk Hogan is a wrestler, and he has PTSD. He has dreams every night that he's getting beat up in the wrestling ring, which is weird because he's also dreaming that he's wearing fishing gear. And, in fact, he goes fishing at the beginning of the movie, falls asleep while fishing, then has a PTSD nightmare that he's being beaten by these monstrous wrestlers. It's just, the tone is like a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie, right? It's like a G-rated movie for kids. But, anyway, his old manager was Sherman Hemsley, a.k.a. George Jefferson. And this guy's got a bunch of debt. People are coming to his house and taking everything because he has so much money. But he finds this job for Hulk Hogan where he gets a cut where Hulk Hogan can be a nanny. So he's a nanny, and then all the Home Alone traps, and then the kids like him. But the dad has his job, and he has his super chip. And then uh, the dude from New York Dolls wants a super chip, so he kidnaps the dad, and he kidnaps the kids. And then Hulk <laughs> Hogan has to fight them all. And he then there's this huge fight scene, and it's very violent, and it's very scary. And, you know, it was just a cute little movie in a little mansion where he's drinking tea with this girl wearing a tutu and all of a sudden you got the new york dolls guy lowering his head and running like a charging bull and frequently ramming hulk hogan and he's hulk hogan's getting drowned and his head's getting pushed under the water but then everything turns out okay the dude from the new york dolls serenades you as the movie ends as hogan rides off (laughs) on his motorcycle
0: wow so Sounds like you got really into this, Nick. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you had a good time.
1: Yeah, yeah. My plan was to just watch 10 minutes every night just to get through it, and that's not what happened, man. <laughs> I just consumed
0: You just got movie. sucked right in, That's man. right. I ate it. Uh, you started working on the Wikipedia page right after, just dived in.
1: Yeah, I need to get some more facts to add to it. There's not enough info on this thing.
0: Let me ask you this. Is Mr. Nanny better or worse than... The seminal Hulk Hogan movie from nineteen ninety one, Suburban Commando. I have some fond memories of this film, my friend. Have you seen Suburban Commando?
1: I don't. Okay, okay. It comes down to the kids, right? Which movie has more likable children?
0: I feel like they did the same thing in Suburban Commando. There were just like bratty kids that mess with him at first, but then you know he grew to love them and he had to save them in the end. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same plot, except for he's a interstellar commando hero from the distant world in this one instead of a nanny
1: yeah and i remember but, christopher lloyd and yeah I, guess,
0: I didn't realize it had, i forgot it had christopher lloyd and shelly duvall like
1: oh that's what? right yeah what, yeah
0: what's happening why are these people in this movie
1: that's right i didn't see the shining by that point i think i'd only seen bernice bob's her hair with shelly duvall so i was like oh her hair grew back which is cool and i i don't hate kids i just in early 90s movies you know kid actors now are pretty good for the most part you know but in the early 90s mm-hmm. they were yeah. terrible it was like they come just, a long way yeah they just basically walked down the street and said hey you got dimples kid come be in this movie and that was it so the kids were always <laughs> horrible in the movies and there's a kid in the movie that we're going to talk about after this that's right hey that's actually all i have about mr nanny yeah i actually can't do a whole episode it would be our shortest episode ever it would be 10 minutes long i'm i'm, I'm done sorry <laughs> hey hulkamania forever your brother
0: you really only did actually watch 10 minutes of this movie and you're faking your enthusiasm just to hide the fact that you didn't fulfill your punishment. You read up the Wikipedia page. You probably just read from the Wikipedia page just now to, to explain the plot. Come on. Tell me you, you didn't do that, Nick. Tell me you actually watched this movie.
1: Step into a Slim gym oh yeah that was my favorite part of the movie it was so good when you did that
0: <laughs> okay okay that wasn't in the wikipedia page so you just proved that you watched it i so did
1: i watched the you. whole thing that was the best scene
0: awesome awesome all right well thank you for watching that i'll never have to watch it because i think it should be a rule at least that once you've been punished with a fallen warrior movie that nobody else in the podcast hosting zone at least has to watch that movie ever right so like you'll never have to watch any of the crappy movies that you've punished me with i'll never have to watch any of the crappy movies i punished you with sound good jordan you've just
1: reawakened a nihilistic streak in me of one of my many nihilistic streaks where honestly i had so much fun watching this stupid movie and recapping it I haven't even picked a punishment movie for you. I just always want to lose at trivia now. I forgot how fun Fallen Warrior is, Jordan. I haven't experienced it in so Ah. long. It's so fun to watch (laughs) these dumb, bad movies and talk about them. I'm tired of listening to you talk about them. I want to be the one. So that's it. (laughs) that's it i'm just gonna wander around missing questions
0: how dare you take my stick
1: <laughs> i'm stealing it it's I'm my
0: thing it's, it's my job to lose every time you step Can't out of this that slim
1: jim it's my slim jim
0: no actually it was very refreshing not to have to watch a terrible movie this time <laughs> it's like okay all i have to watch this water world we're good i'm excited to see what nick's pick for next time will be let's do this so all right well yeah let's move on to 1995's water world
1: Okay, so the first thing I want to say about Water World is this. I feel like I put the emphasis on water and you put the emphasis on world. Who's correct? Are we both wrong? Is it like a double emphasis, like water world? Right? It, or is it how I say a it? It's the world of water. Yeah, because I say water world and you say water world. You know, it's like my mom who listens to the show. She says CD instead of CD, but who's to say that she's wrong? Maybe she's right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is water world.
0: I think it could be either way. Because it it is interesting that it's all one word. It's not water, space, world. It's water world. So maybe you're right in the emphasis on the water so that it it flows as one word. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so however you pronounce water world, water world is what it is. For me, kind of a special movie in certain ways, but not like the most special movie. Why'd you want to watch this, Jordan?
0: Well, you know, it came out in 95. Like I said, I, I remember seeing this not in theater probably just you know rented it on vhs on a crappy vhs back in the day and one thing i wanted to watch this is because you picked titanic giant movie from the 90s you know super huge budget big production values so it felt like my next pick starting off 2021 we had to go big i couldn't you know just pick a a smaller medium-sized movie from the 90s I wanted to go big, just like you did with Titanic, so went big with Waterworld. It was the most expensive movie ever made at the time, in 95. had this huge budget, wouldn't say very big cast other than Costner and Dennis Hopper, but they are A-listers at that time, and that's one question I wanted to bring up later, too, is would you even consider Costner an A-lister now? But I don't know, that's... Something maybe we can get into after we talk about the movie, just because it seems like from here on out, his career has, I wouldn't say tanked, but I don't know, just hasn't really lived up to like his early acclaim with like Dances with Wolves and winning the Oscar there and that kind of thing. But I mean this was by all measures at the time, not a huge success. it had a lot of negative buzz in the news when it came when it was coming out and when it was being produced as you know being over budget and studio was just gonna eat up all this money on this project and uh, they called it Fishtar, uh, calling back to Ishtar for another big budget flop, called it Kevin's Gate. You know, referencing *Heaven's Gate*, which is another just huge budget movie, then that you know ran too long and lost a lot of money. So it did end up having some mild success, you know, mostly through uh, VHS rentals. Which I feel like I don't know, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you who went and saw this in the theater, but I feel like everybody has seen this on TV or video or ever, but. Uh, Yeah, it's just been a long time since I've seen Waterworld and I feel like it gets a, you know, it gets a bad rap. You know, it's not, it's not remembered very fondly. And I remember feeling like, okay, you know, it's, it's got its problems, but you know, it is fun and it is immersive and the world that it creates is, you know, really interesting. Watching it now, I I have some thoughts and yeah, I just want to get into the thick of it and go through the plot with you, but how about you? What was your experience with Waterworld? I
1: realized watching it of all the movies we've covered to this point, I think I've actually seen Waterworld the most because this came out, I think a month after Congo did. And I remember renting this and Congo on very similar weekends. And it's funny, you know, I hate Congo. I know you love it. And most of our listeners love it apparently, <laughs> yeah. but I, you know, I hate it, right? Yeah. Well, Waterworld my family went to this restaurant called the Olive Tree, one of the most short-lived restaurants in Baton Rouge history. I think we went one of the one of the first weekends it was open, and I've never had food poisoning up to that point in my life, but boy, did I get some food poisoning from that place! Because we went to Blockbuster immediately afterward, and we started Water World, which is what we rented. And I just, I they weren't even off the atoll yet, and I was puking my guts out. I threw up so oh much. No. But ironically, you know, I watched the movie and thought, why were they bagging on this so much? I mean, it's goofy, but this is fun. I'm enjoying this. And yeah. I'm a really big James Newton Howard fan who composed the music for this movie. I think he's probably my second favorite of modern composers behind, obviously, John Williams. And I really love the score. I've listened to it constantly probably the last 25 years and I got the movie with my Columbia House membership you know I got my VHS tape and I watched it a, a lot and I didn't buy the DVD you know when I went over to digital but I've watched it a few times since then so all the beats of this movie were still familiar to me the score was still familiar the, a lot of the dialogue so it was kind of like visiting an old goofy friend who I threw up in front of right <laughs> when we met you know I had a good time with it <laughs>
0: Maybe it was that green goo, the recycled goo, you know, <laughs> when he goes to the atoll in the beginning, you just saw that and blew your chunks.
1: That was the greenest vomit I've ever had, so that could be true. It might be. That,
0: yeah, could have been part of the recycling. Yeah, that was some gross-looking stuff right there. Well, I wanted to talk about how, you know, we have the Universal logo open up the movie And then, you know, Universal spins away. And then we just have the globe, this CGI mid-90s globe. And then we have this kind of diagram of the ice caps melting. I like how the actual movie opens up with the guy who narrates every 90s movie trailer as if this were, in fact, a still a movie trailer that you're watching. You know, it's like the future, the polar ice caps have <laughs> melted. <laughs> like this was so strange and so weird for me to, to hear that guy in an actual movie, not a trailer. But, it, you know, just made me wonder, when's the last time you saw that kind of thing like, that kind of narration in a movie, that's just so odd to me.
1: I feel like this is such an iconic opening. And honestly, right before it started, when they show the Universal logo... I looked over at my siblings, because thankfully they were a little older so we didn't have to just watch crappy Mr. Nanny type movies, you know, they could watch PG-13 stuff with me. I looked over at them and I said, wouldn't it be awesome if like the world just flooded on the Universal logo? And then it happened while the trailer guy was talking. Even though it's not like the greatest visuals ever at this point, I still think it's cool. Right. It's a great way to start the movie, even though scientifically off the bat, if you know anything about the polar ice caps and can do a little math in your head, it's like, "Mm, I don't Think they would rise even a hundredth of this amount if they melted? But cool, I'll, yeah. I'll go with
0: it. I'll go with it. I love how the writers said they knew that this was mathematically impossible for this to actually happen, but they're like, eh, whatever. Like, I think it'll be a fun concept anyway. Why like, not? Yeah, the world would only flood like a hundred feet or something if the ice caps melted. But yeah, we'll just make it cover all land.
1: Why not? It's just almost kind of ridiculous. All
0: the land. yeah, why not? it's it's just a movie that cost several hundred million dollars.
1: Well, you know, the original
0: script was a
1: lot more fantastical and it was only supposed to cost like five million. So things changed a lot from that original script and idea to what we get in the finished product.
0: Yeah, I, I was reading about how you know the original writer was planning on developing it with Roger Corman and just be this kind of goofy over the top B movie which I guess you could really argue this is just a big budget Goofy B movie. Just some of the descriptions of that original script sounded really wacky and fun. I kind of would like to see that version, you know, like a Corman-produced Waterworld where Dennis Hopper was just slapping people with fish whenever they got out of line.
1: (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you, oh, I know we're going to talk about this awesome Blu-ray release that Arrow did for the movie, which we both watched to prepare for this episode, but there's yeah. a, a some really- looks beautiful. Yeah, it's so gorgeous, and there's some great extras, and there, there's a scene in the documentary that comes along with it. It's really, it's like two hours and really in-depth, where the original screenwriter basically said when the movie started having problems, <laughs> that some of the producers came to him, and we're like, man- we should have just shot your original script to what she said. Well, let's, let's just do it. And they're like, nah, man, we're like 150 million under this thing. We got to go with what we got.
0: <laughs> we got to go with it. Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, yeah, the production value is insane. Of course. Right. I mean, they're out on the actual ocean. They built this giant atoll on a platform in the ocean. They used up all the steel available in Hawaii to build this thing. And it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of what we talked about with Titanic, with how they actually built the ship and, you know, just the huge budget put into that and how, you know, you'd never see this kind of movie made today, not in actual physical locations, like it's all on location, all these huge sets being built. I mean, it's just really immersive, really impressive. So if not for anything else, you you definitely have to give it props for the production value in this thing. It's just insane.
1: Yeah, man, it's crazy. Just the toll construction, all of it, you know, we talked about with Titanic, or at least I did. You pretty much just covered your ears and said, I hate this movie. I hate this movie. I hate this movie the whole time. <laughs> but the production values for that, the 900 foot long boat being really constructed, isn't really something that we get anymore. And that happens again in this movie. There's very little CGI just because the techniques weren't available to, to do this stuff. I mean, they do use some, but, you know, these huge sets are real yeah. and they're insane. I mean, you can see why the, the budget skyrocketed. But I tell you what, let's start at the beginning because th- I think this is the second film we've covered that opens with a man pissing, right? <laughs> I mean, we're taking a page from Tremors here. It starts <laughs> off with a guy peeing, you know, once uh, the Trimmers, done. yeah,
0: yeah. Does his urine look green to you? He's peeing into this like plastic cup, and I swear it looks green. And then he pours it into like this Mr. Coffee filtration device, and then it turns it into fresh water. And he's, you know, just Costner swigging that urine water in his mouth like that first shot. I mean it's classic i mean i know so many people have made fun of it and talked about it and isn't that a dane cook thing where he talks about the mr coffee i I, f- I feel like there was a dane cook joke where he talks about peeing into mr coffee but i could be wrong could have been something else
1: i've never been a big fan of comedians who just yell at you a lot so i, I never got into the old dane cook <laughs> fella that you're talking about that uh young ragamuffin mm. Didn't get into him. Didn't get that into young,
0: him. Yeah, young man, yeah.
1: But his, his pee is definitely green. I don't know if it's because like he has green. a bacterial infection or his diet or the filter they used on the camera, but it's green piss. That's right. It's green. Maybe if you keep maybe, drinking it.
0: Maybe it's because he's a mutant. Oh, that's right. He's a muto. He's He's got that mutated piss.
1: That's right, because we find out later he's got gills behind his ears. He can breathe air out of water and under the water.
0: A fact that they definitely keep coming back to. Like, how many people touch his ears and just pull his ears back and be like, Oh, you've got gills. Look, everybody. He's got gills. And he kind of just stands there a lot of the time and takes it like, uh, Yeah, I'm used to this at this point. But, man, people were just touching this dude's ears a lot. I was kind of you know, unnerved for him. Usually they were yelling, He's got gills! MUTO! He's a MUTO! Kill him! He's a MUTO! Kill him!
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, this is a very tolerant future, much like now, much like current current times. This movie actually has a lot of current parallels. You know, you've got the smokers, who are the villains here. They've happened upon Mm -hmm. the Exxon Valdez, which has gasoline in it, and they have some motorized vehicles upon which they travel, and it appears that they're pretty much going around the sea, looting and Raping and pillaging, but Costner, who has no name in this movie, he's the Mariner. He has a name in another version of the movie we'll talk about later. But he comes across this atoll, which is not made up of the smokers. It's just made up of regular folk who are scraping to get by. And notice that he has gills and throw him in a cage.
0: Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the production design here too. You know, we talked about the atoll, but just getting into it, you've got this kind of grungy Mad Max futuristic aesthetic where they've just got these cobbled together bits and pieces or random gears and leather and nets and junk and I don't know, I just I just really get off on that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously taking a page from Mad Max, but there's just something really cool about that that grungy future look that I get into. But, you know, at the same time there's definitely a layer of nineties goofiness on top of it all, which I mean we're a nineties show, so I can't deny I love that too. You know, I think The costumes are really cool looking in all this. I mean, I'll get into my love hate of Costner mostly hate but i can't say that he's the coolest looking hero he he looks pretty goofy i have to say he's got the seashell earring and everything but you got one of the drifters he comes upon that that has like a shirt that's made out of the plastic rings like from a six-pack he's got like that kind of stuff just like recycled garbage like everything's just made out of garbage in this movie and i love it <laughs> That's just my immediate thoughts going into the atoll.
1: Yeah, you can look at the costumes in this movie, and just looking at any frame with any extra or person in it, you can tell from the costumes that they're in Waterworld. Even though, you know, they take a page from Mad Max, there's a very kind of singular, unique look here. Because really, these people are floating on the surface, and all they have is whatever was left behind before the world got flooded. I mean, if you look at a house on the ocean... With the salt water, everything just gets destroyed so quickly and rusts away so quickly and corrodes. And that's all they have is stuff that's hundreds of years old that's just rotting and corroding, and they just have to keep using the leftovers of it again and again and again, which is why everyone who's left is in such desperate situations. I thought they captured that look really well. Again, I really enjoyed the production. I'm sorry that you didn't like how Kevin Costner looked. I know that you have a thing about dudes with webbed feet, which I really think you need to get over, but you can definitely tell that from any frame, this is Waterworld that you're watching.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got the gills, he's got the web feet, he's got the green piss. I mean, he, he right off the bat, he's just not doing it for me. But and yeah, talking about the uh, the rusted stuff. Yeah, the first scene we've got Costner pulling up junk from the bottom of the ocean, and uh, these guys coming after him. These different. I guess it was the smokers at that point, right? They're trying to take his stuff, and you got this other drifter who's stealing his limes. And the whole scene, Costner's got this dirty, dilapidated lighter in his mouth. But yeah, then he visits the atoll in the middle of the ocean where he goes to sell this dirt that he's come upon. I liked how the locals wanted him to impregnate one of their daughters with his seed. Thought that was kind of like an interesting touch to just a, a part of the world building here where inbreeding is not a good thing obviously and they've got too much of that being isolated and only so many people on this isolated floating island But, you know, he refuses that. uh, And and that's kind of what triggers them to think, oh, something's not right with this guy. You know, he doesn't want to have sex with this random teenage girl. So there must be something wrong with him. And then they find out he's a muto. Like you said, cage him up. Then they're going to recycle him. We talked about this, the green goo. And they, they recycled an old lady right when he gets into the Atoll. They see this, you know, this dead body and they push her into the green goo. Did you ever get a sense of what the recycling does? i thought at one point maybe they said it turned somehow it turned them into dirt i don't know it just looks like this nasty biohazard goo that he almost drowns in it's super gross but did you ever get an idea or a sense of what the recycling was about there? yeah
1: man it, it turns you into goo that's the long and the short of it you get in the goo you get turned into goo
0: <laughs> but what is the goo for like what do they use the goo for
1: i mean it's just good to have goo around you know why not have some goo yeah
0: i mean nickelodeon had to get their goo from somewhere right i think
1: and i could be wrong it seemed like there were like some potted plants around the goo so maybe they're like trying to grow some plants through the organic material
0: yeah it was like a fertilizer or something yeah that's kind of where my mind was going to like i thought they had Said dirt at one point, or yeah, some sort of fertilizer or nutrient. Either way, yeah, he's trapped in this cage and the smokers invade, and it's got this insane action segment. So let's get into that. It's just over the top crazy ambitious, like you got jet skis. Well
1: wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about when the smokers come to the atoll? Well, first let's say why they're going there. So everyone's looking for dry land in this water world, and there's a little girl who lives at the atoll who's under the care of the woman who runs the shop, and it seems like this girl has a map tattooed on her her back. So the smokers get wind of this and there's one who is there undercover? Who has the most punchable face?
0: Who is that guy? Uh, I was meant to look up the actor there. Do you know?
1: Yes. The character's name is Nord. He's played by a Northern Ireland actor named Gerard Murphy, who actually seems like a pretty cool dude, and in real life, his face isn't this punchable at all. He's in Batman Begins. He's kind of got a bit part there. Okay. I tell you what, the hair that they made for him is kind of like this weird, scary lionish thing, and I just want to punch him every time I see him. He's the worst in this movie.
0: You know who he reminded me of here? And I, I wanted to check and see if it was the same actor, but the uh, the main villain from Mad Max Fury Road, he has that same kind of dangerous face. I don't know. He has that same kind of look. I, I don't remember who that actor That's was That's a either, good call. But...
1: It's not the same guy. And I think that mm-hmm. guy just passed away recently, which also Gerard Murphy, who played Nord, he passed away in 2013.
0: Hugh Keysburn was the actor from Mad Max, but yeah, not the same guy.
1: All that to say, Nord, Sees the girl and then slinks back off to the smokers and comes back with a whole bunch of them, like you said, on water skis, on boats. They've got an old plane that Jack Black himself is flying around. And that's right. We get a gonzo yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. over-the-top action scene that you and I crave, that we need that it's just like pumping our veins full of blood
0: that our hearts can't beat without. This is very necessary, yes. And then you got Dennis Hopper. Who better to be in this role? I mean, Waterworld would not be Waterworld without Dennis Hopper. I love this man. He's the national treasure. He's the leader of the smokers. First of all, I like all their lingo, how they call the gasoline go-juice. <laughs> I pulled that up with go-juice. And then I like how they call each other cousins. He's like, who's that cousin on the machine boat, <laughs> the machine gun boat? <laughs> I don't know. It's just immediately you've got some, some world building there, some just interesting aspects to these characters. And honestly, I could have followed Den- Dennis Hopper all throughout this movie. I just, I just wanted to a Dennis Hopper movie. The Deacon in Waterworld just followed that dude around as he tried to lead this like weird cult of smoker people and slap people around and pretend like he's going to blow up places with matches where there's tons and tons of oil beneath him. But Dennis Hopper, man, just right away just grabs the screen and and doesn't let go. And it felt like I needed more Dennis Hopper in this. That was that was one of my big letdowns. I wanted to see more of him in this even though he is the main villain but yeah we uh we step away from him for quite a bit he
1: has the most lines of probably any male character in the film because Costner doesn't talk
0: too much that's true Costner's pretty quiet and he's got some great lines too we'll get into that he's got some really hilarious over-the-top stuff that he he gets into and you can just tell that he's having fun and he's not taking himself seriously which I feel like is the complete opposite of costner i feel like costner is taking himself way too seriously and kind of kills the fun of his character
1: oh come on man if
0: you could have had fun with with his character i mean you really could have i mean fish man come on but yeah he's just kind of a, a sad sack I don't have much love for costner's character in this movie
1: okay well i'm gonna stop you right there and offer counter-argument i love kevin costner in this movie
0: oh god <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's let's do this let's just well, stop the show right now, now and do this.
0: let's get i have more things to say later about that as we get into the plot oh you're scared thing.
1: you're scared you know you know i'm gonna get you all right that's fine that's fine
0: <laughs> let's let's just get into the the plot a little bit let's more talk about the jet skis it.
1: in this action scene so they get into the atoll by shooting it up making ramps and pulling guys with a plane who are on water skis up ramps and over the top of the atoll, and then jet skis going under the atoll, under the water. Under
0: the atoll, right. <laughs> that was my favorite part.
1: And then they're blowing <laughs> holes in it, and these hapless atoll folk just have, like, bows and arrows and stuff. and They're just getting right. destroyed. And, man, some of those tracking shots from, like, I guess they're helicopter shots. I don't know. They're really high. It just shows you the scale of the set, and yeah. it looks incredible man i mean it nothing is. looks like that in any other movie it looks so good No,
0: sir yeah they i mean that is almost like one of those obligatory shots where you know we spent 22 million dollars on this one set so we're gonna like show you the hell out of this set right and I, i'm fine like, with it
1: it looks so good and you got the james newton howard score pumping his action themes are so fun in this movie so yeah, yeah th- I mean I feel like even if you think the rest of the movie is dumb if you have any love for big goofy action at all you gotta at least love this sequence because it's oh, yeah. insane I mean there's an entire water show to this day that still is going on that water world spawned with all these insane water and jet ski and water skiing stunts because of how awesome the scene is
0: yeah I feel like uh when I visited Universal Studios in the late 90s I got to see that but
1: yeah I saw it in 2002 it was it was Awesome. Oh, nice,
0: yeah. nice. But yeah, I mean, any possible way they could break into this fortress, this, this water fortress? They do, like you said, machine guns, airplanes, jet skis, water skis, explosions, people dying left and right, running all over the place. I mean, just the scale of this is is huge and impressive, and just how they were able to maneuver all this. And then again, just the practicality of filming this out on the ocean is just—it's insane. But Even though the smokers are able to just blow the hell out of this place, they're also super ridiculous and inept. They're just kind of bumbling. You've got Gregor, who's the old man scientist, and uh, he's friends with uh, Helen, the shop owner and the little girl. And he's trying to help them get away in this hot air balloon, and they the the girls you know miss their ride, and he makes some mistakes and floats off into the sky. but I love how inept the smokers are that they're able to blow the hell out of this place and kill almost everyone, but by chance. I guess we're supposed to believe they can't take down this hot air balloon because like some of the jet skis ramp up and fly in front of it and they try and shoot the air balloon but they shoot the jet skis instead
1: man i can tell you right now why they couldn't hit it it's because it's being flown by michael jeter michael jeter was (laughs) in a show called evening shade with burt reynolds even though michael jeter might not seem that badass god rest his soul he learned from the best burt reynolds taught him how to fly this damn balloon that's what i think i think they cut those scenes
0: some of that smoky and the bandit magic rubbed off on him i guess
1: you got that right he cannonball run that damn balloon way up in the sky and they couldn't <laughs> hit it man I fully believe that. Burt Reynolds saved the day, even though he's not in this.
0: Rip Burt Reynolds, by the way. No problem suspending your disbelief there, I guess. Well, then Costner is finally freed from his cage by Helen. You know, she saves his life before he's trapped in the goo. And they escape all the gunfire and get his ship out all intact, which, you know, again, it's just insane. It just feels like the smokers are right on him and he's got this large boat. He's got to maneuver out of there, but somehow, you know, it's, it's all good in the end. He harpoons the machine gun ship turns it around so that it fires on hopper's boat which is full of gasoline which you know is just a very smart idea i guess it, it looks like they have like this big balloon that they're blowing up or it's i don't know like it looks like this elastic contraption that they're it's just continually filling with gasoline on Hopper's boat, and they've got these guys, like, pumping it up. I wasn't exactly sure what was up with that. But, you know, of course, soon as fired upon by the machine gun ship, it just explodes this huge, amazing fireball of an explosion and takes out one of Hopper's eyes in the process. And pirate Hopper, you know, one-eyed eye patch Hopper from then on out, which is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, so we get this awesome action scene. But how... Okay, maybe you weren't as into this as I was, but they spent like $2 million on Costner's awesome gigantic boat that he has, this trimaran, which has this really unique appearance and they get away. It's Kevin Costner, who is the Mariner along with Jan Triplehorn, who is Helen. And then the young girl, Tina Majorino, who plays Enola. And you get this awesome soaring shot of them entering the open ocean with the burning atoll behind them. And the music is just like the grandest pirate movie music I thought that was just such a cool moment in the movie. I really That might be my favorite shot and moment of the film, because it's just this sense of freedom in the open ocean. Even though all there is is ocean, and if you were them, you're like, great, more ocean. But I don't know, I dug it. I miss the ocean, man. There was more ocean in (laughs) 80s and 90s movies. It just
0: kind of went away. I don't remember that particular moment, but I do dig his boat. Uh, the trimaran, yeah, like you said, it has a really unique look to it. It's got the different pieces that he pulls a lever and it mass pops up and you know, all these like twirling gears and it seems like automated in a weird analog way. And I don't know. it's Yeah, it's, it's a fun ship. I think it's a really cool design. I, I do dig that. We get to know Costner's character a bit more here while they're out on the ship. And he's just kind of a dick, right? Like... This lady saves his life, and then he wants to just throw the girl, the little girl overboard. At one point, he does throw her in the water, which was really shocking. And to stop him from doing this, Helen whores herself out right away and just offers some sexual favors to him, just assuming this is what he wants. And this has got to be the quickest disrobe I think I've ever seen in cinema. They're standing on the deck of the boat, and she literally just removes like one edge of her dress from her shoulder and all her clothes drop and she's just butt naked standing there
1: dude these are garments made from garments made from garments made from garments that were made like this 300 years ago so she's lucky yep. that they yep. stayed on when she wasn't <laughs> trying to take them off
0: yeah I just love the quickness of the disrobe in that shot you know she's like whoosh and then you got, you know, famous butt shot, the body double for, for Jean Triplehorn there. I love love how Costner goes to grab her boob and he's like, oh, 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 and then he thinks better of it and doesn't. It's just a weird moment, weird choice. All the sexual slash romantic stuff in this is super awkward for me. And I feel like it's all Costner's fault. I don't think he really knows what he's doing. And I feel like he's taking himself way too seriously. And I feel his his arrogance as a person just emanating through this, you know, from behind this character he's trying to be. I can just feel... Like this dick of a person that, I, that I'm just assuming Kevin Costner is just from everything I've read about him. And just have it out for this guy in this movie, apparently.
1: And I can feel that you have a bias against Gil dudes and you need to get over it. Can I defend <laughs> his performance now, please, sure, Mr. Jordan? Ahead.
0: Sure, Alright. Have one. at it. See what you can do.
1: Costner was going through a divorce at the time that they filmed this. The original plan for this character was not to have him be so dour, but... Costner was really working some things out through this performance. And the way that he approached this was basically that this dude, his entire life has been ostracized. He has these gills. He's called a freak. People try to kill him everywhere he goes. He's really not free anywhere except out on the open ocean by himself. It's the only place that... He's really not alone because he has his boat, which is the only thing that he can trust, right? So he's distrustful of all other people. And we're shown very good reason why he would be. Because when he goes to this atoll, which is really a lot nicer and more peaceful than anywhere else we see in the movie, they still want to kill him. So of course he's a jerk. He's got good reason to be. What? Why would he not be in this horrible mood around other people? What you got? What, let, let's go. Let's do a little back and forth. What do you think?
0: I mean, yeah, boohoo. backstory. He was going through a divorce and I don't know. You know, whatever. I just feel like the character is not very interesting. Like, there's not, like... What? I don't know.
1: The Mariner is not interesting enough for you? No.
0: No. I mean... The idea, the premise of like the Mariner, this, you know, he's supposed to be like this kind of anti-hero drifter and, you know, this kind of well-known character arc of, you know, he's, he's this kind of grumpy loner at first, but he grows a heart and he comes to love this little girl and everything and. I don't know. I just wasn't buying it. I I just felt like a lot of the writing for Costner, I don't even know if it was a writing, but it's just his acting. I was not a fan of it. And it just it just felt really awkward and forced a lot of times. And I, you know, they set it up for him to be kind of unlikable, like you said, to be this kind of dour loner, this grumpy guy. But I feel like, again, Costner was just, you know, I feel like in his mind, like he was this really cool character, this really interesting guy. And, you know, he yeah, had like the world was out to get him and, you know, was like reflecting on that and everything. And, but in the end, he just kind of, to me, just comes across as a dick. Like I said, like this lady helps save him. And then he wants to throw this girl overboard. He, he at one point sells her off to this crazy drifter and planning on at least having a trade with him paper so that he can have, the drifter can have a half hour of whore time with her. And, uh, you know, he thinks better of that, uh, you know, and makes, you know, the right decision. But, you know, it's just kind of, that's kind of all of a sudden. And then later when he grows a heart and starts becoming friends with the little girl, that's literally overnight because she gave him a little, you know, drawing on a piece of paper. I don't know, just like they didn't they didn't do enough with this character for me to to really buy that character arc and again I just was not a fan of his acting i felt like this was a big goofy b movie and everyone was having fun with it but he was just trying it didn't feel like he understood like what kind of movie he was in like he was just taking himself way too seriously like he was reaching for that oscar but it's like no dude you're in freaking water world it's it's just a giant goofy mess obviously we feel differently about that that's okay
1: you just basically used so many words just to say you know what nick Here's an incorrect opinion that I'm presenting to you. You could have just said that and not all the other stuff you said. You know what? I have a soft spot for this character because... My dad is a dour loner, and he had a fishing boat, and when we go out on it, he would yell at us, and we'd have to hurry up and try to do what he said, or he would just (laughs) shove us out of the way and do it himself. So I got a soft spot there, but I think he grounds the movie. It could just be a total goof fest, and there's a little bit of heart there because of him. On the documentary, they call him an allegorical figure because, you know, he doesn't have a name, and he ends up being the savior of mankind, and then he can't live with mankind. He has to ascend and go back to the ocean. But I think that his friendship with Enola was very well done because she's the most annoying person he can think of at first, but then he realizes that they're both kind of outcast. He starts to experience an empathy he's never experienced before. And the moment that they bond really, one of the most beautiful moments in the film is when he teaches her how to swim because he realizes in a way, as much as people call him a freak her being someone who lives in a world entirely composed out of water and not being able to swim also puts her as an out of place person. And there's this beautiful slow-mo scene where he teaches her to swim. You get this cool new age music playing in the background from James Newton Howard and they bond there and that's where they become friends. Which apparently you missed out on, Jordan, because you just wanted to be like I'm the Mariner. Look at me. I'm going to say a bunch of goofy (laughs) one-liners and dance and hop around. I'm so happy to be here. And that's not what he did, Jordan. He was serious he that's, exactly I, to this film. <laughs> that's exactly what to this that's exactly what i wanted to do
0: <laughs> no i mean the whole the whole thing with him teaching her how to swim it literally comes out of nowhere because like i said it one minute come he out he's of trying nowhere. to throw it does it's he okay we have a moment of him trying to whore out the girl and then he decides against that or whore out the woman decides against that then you know he's grumpy. He's yelling at him. He's you know throws the girl off the boat at one point. And then yeah, you have the scene where uh, was it Jack Black in the plane then, uh, where they come back and they fight the airplane and he saves the day and everything. It was Jackie Black. Yep. And it's later that night when like you know he's I guess the the little girl has seen him you know be heroic in this moment. So she's just enamored with him, even though you know he's a complete jerk to her. But uh, yeah, she gives him a little piece of paper. Uh, with a drawing of them all holding hands on it. It's just like, again, I would even if I was, you know, a witness to his heroic actions, if I was this little girl, I'd be pissed at him still, because he threw me off the boat and he tried to whore out my surrogate mother to a random drifter, and, you know, even though he did make a you know, a wise decision not to in the end, it's still kind of like, okay, this, I don't know about this guy, you know, he's, he's kind of a dick, so I don't know, just the moment later when they're swimming in the water and he's teaching her how to swim and he's just kind of smiling goofy and everything and that I was just like where did this come from it just I don't know, it just caught me off guard I was he's not most ready at for home that. in
1: the water Jordan <laughs> he's the mariner <laughs>
0: that's why he's all of a sudden smiling in a totally different character oh, he's okay. not a
1: different character he's the same guy that's who he always was this is just the mm. first time that we've seen him swimming like this and getting to share that joy with another person Sorry you didn't get it, Jordan.
0: Can we just move on and talk about Dennis Hopper? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> the best part of this movie. Uh, also, oh, uh, since you're such a fan of the Mariner and, and everything about this character, uh, were you a fan of uh, after they kidnapped the girl and uh, he discovers that his boat has been blown up and he stands there dumbly on the deck and says, My boat my the, boat
1: <laughs> those sons of bitches burned his boat yeah i know you but know, the I, delivery man. the,
0: the Coster's delivery it's i don't know it's just so he lives awkward. on the water like, and
1: doesn't talk to or see people he's developed this weird accent i'm i'm into it i dig it
0: mm. did were you were you digging the sex on the blown up boat with helen after they kidnapped the girl
1: I mean, into it, that? it happened. He tells her, you know, I, I wasn't with you before because you didn't want me. But now I've done all this badass stuff and you do. So let's do it. And yeah, what's fine with
0: it? <laughs> let's do it. Fish man, what you got under them drawers? <laughs> I, I'm glad they cut away because I did not want to see what else Gosner had going on below there.
1: Well, again, you, you are biased against Finn Men. And I also hmm. think, you know, he probably impregnated her with a little baby Finn Man and eventually hit, like Gregor, a.k.a. Michael Jeter's character says, eventually the Finn Men are going to take over the seas. So, yeah, I was cool with all of it, Jordan.
0: Yeah, just pass on your mutated genes while you're at it. <laughs> Definitely. To this unsuspecting woman.
1: Not, she's not unsuspecting. She knows he has gills. <laughs>
0: hmm. She knows
1: it. She knows if she gets pregnant, it'll be a fin child, and she is she's cool with it. I know she's thought this through. She's had a lot of time on this boat, staring off in the distance to think about
0: it. That's right. And then they had that shared moment of breathing underwater together. And Again, great choice. You know, you're being chased by pirates. Wait, let's take a trip to the seafloor and discover when we come back that, oh, yeah, the pirates got the little girl we left aboard the ship
1: yep i'm not going to defend that so they're on the ocean and they have all these these little ventures and these moments where they finally bond and then they get ambushed and they get away but the whole time he's been promising them he's going to take them to dry land because you know their currency at this point in time in history is dirt because it's so rare people just have what's left over getting passed down and down and down where there's hardly any left and he has all this dirt so everyone thinks he's been to dry land but It turns out in this moment where he's promised them that at this point they'll reach dry land, and they haven't. Helen is kind of at a breaking point, and she's like, I thought we were going to get to dry land. So he takes her down and shows her there is land. It's not dry. It's way under the water. He takes her down, I think, what was supposed to be Denver. And it's a cool model shot. It's a cool scene. But I agree. You know, you've just been chased. Not the best timing. Now, he is an (laughs) impulsive Really emotional guy. So I get him being mm. like, you know what? Look at this. Let me show you this. Emotional?
0: Right now. You would describe the mariner as emotional? Look
1: at the way that he reacts to things. He keeps it all bottled inside and then he just explodes, Jordan, and that's it. It's an explosion of emotion. He's like, Let me I gotta show you the truth now. Yeah, and it's a bad it's a bad timing. Really bad timing, because when they come back up, the boat gets trashed, Enola gets kidnapped by the smokers, by the Patriots. I mean the smokers <laughs> that are gonna take her to the Exxon Valdez and they get left for dead. Yeah, I agree. I'll fill this diesel in. So the second Blu-ray disc in the Arrow set features something called the Ulysses cut. This is a three-hour cut of Waterworld. I don't (laughs) think it's better than the original cut. I think it's actually markedly worse because it's basically like you're taking the movie and just shoving all the deleted scenes back into it. It's not like a director's cut. There are some cool things. I think if you're a fan of the movie, you should watch it because, you know, it's more Waterworld. It's some weird, odd stuff. There's some scenes that fill in the atoll and its history and the problems they're having and there's a scene at the end where you find out that the dry land they find is actually Mount Everest, which is pretty cool. And I kind of thought, okay, maybe they'll explain or pace better them getting chased, being immediately followed by them getting away briefly and him showing her what's under the water and then them getting ambushed again. And it doesn't really solve that problem. It actually, it makes the movie worse because I know you, you don't like his character for one. One of the reasons you mentioned was you think he's a dick, this version makes him 10 times more of a dick, Jordan. Because for me, the turning point in his character is that swimming scene, right? Because he doesn't act like a dick to either one of them again for the rest of the movie after that. That's mm-hmm. the turning point. At that point, he's way nicer to them. They, they have a bond after that. But not in this version, because when they get ambushed on the little... Uh, there's these people called the slavers that we don't really see much of or get to know just the... You know, by their name they they have slaves there's this platform where they're all dead and their smokers hiding behind their bodies and that's the ambush well in this cut of the film he was going to sell them into slavery this is after he's bonded with them so <laughs> it makes him dick. even more of a dick yeah which yeah very wisely was cut there's a lot of stuff like that where it makes sense I mean, that you would cut it that they put back in. And it also doesn't better explain why they picked that time to go under the water and get ambushed again.
0: Wisely cut, but isn't that just Costner saying, hey, hey, wait, I'm, I'm kind of too much of a dick in this movie. Let's let's rein it back a little bit.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I know that he had a, a lot more control over that final cut. And he made yeah. the choice to make this guy more serious. But I think even he noticed, like, okay, he can't be this bad of a guy.
0: <laughs> That's not going to work. Well, yeah, they got the girl. They go on to the uh, Exxon Valdez with Dennis Hopper. And like I said, my favorite part of this movie, playing the deacon. He's so goofy and over the top and ridiculous. But, you know, he's still Hopper, so he always has that kind of Sense of danger and lunacy about him really needed more Hopper in this, honestly. I could watch a whole movie, just follow him around. He's got this weird cult leader thing going on with the smokers where he's standing up on this platform and telling them about the myth of dry land and, you know, how he's gonna lead them to paradise and then this kind of stuff. And then, you know, you've got other scenes of them driving around. I guess they're inside of the ship, but he's got like a dirty old car and like all this trash that they're like ramming against with the car. And he's throwing out cigarettes to everybody.
1: He's got a TV and a a golf VHS that he watches in the Ulysses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Yes, it's incredible. And uh, he keeps some poor old guy in this pit. This old guy. White haired old man inside this pit, I guess, just to check the levels of his go juice
1: periodically. <laughs> that's it, that's this guy's just
0: living down there.
1: <laughs> he tells him how many feet are left.
0: Yeah, we're running out of go juice. My favorite scene in the whole movie has got to be Hopper's scene with the little girl. Where, uh, you know, he comes in and he's trying to kind of be nice at first. And the little girl bites back a little bit and uh, Hopper goes, I'm going to cut open his head and eat his brain. (laughs) And then the little girl's like, you can't kill him. He's even meaner than you are. Hopper says, well, you better tell me what I want to know or he can save what's left of you in a goddamn jar. (laughs) It's just Just again, he knows how ridiculous this is and how over the top he sounds. And, you know, basically this that this is just a big, weird B movie and he's just chomping at it and he's having a lot of fun.
1: You may not be aware of this, and I wasn't, but they say this in the documentary, apparently. And I know this guy's like a pariah now because he cheated on his wife and has been accused of. Some type of film set abuse that's never been laid out or detailed by anyone, and I have no idea what happened there. But Joss Whedon, the guy that created Buffy, I mean, I don't know the guy might be the worst person who ever lived in real life. I love Buffy, and I love Angel, and I love yeah. Firefly, and I love the rewrites that he did to Dennis Hopper's dialogue at the end of this movie. They they called them in to punch it up, and I agree with you, man. Great stuff.
0: Is okay. So all that right there was from Whedon.
1: That's right. That's Whedon.
0: Okay. I, yeah. And you you can definitely tell. I feel like that is probably the punchiest part of this movie. Is that that one scene right there? I mean, just I don't know. Just got that camp to it. But again, it's just really effective. It's you know, I laughed out loud. But you know, he's also like just really crazy and dangerous. So just really fun scene. Between them. So then after that, you've got Costner and Helen, because, you know, I'm going to periodically refer to a character by their actor, their real name, and then another character by their character name. So Costner (laughs) and Helen is what I have in my notes. They're saved by the hot air balloon guy, Gregor, you know, which you could see coming a mile away in my mind, not literally on the screen, because somehow they never saw this guy coming for miles in the distance. But soon as the boat is blown up and they're like, oh, we're going to die, aren't we? We're stranded. You know, I was like, no, Crazy Gregor is going to come save your ass. And then, of course, he does. He just shows up. Oh, yeah. Hey, grab my rope. Come up in the hot air balloon.
1: Bert Reynolds showed me how to fly this thing.
0: <laughs> Bert yeah, that's right it's later revealed as exxon valdez they call it the d's which you know again i just love all the little lingo in the world building in this movie
1: how awesome is it that dennis hopper talks to a photograph of captain <laughs> joe who is it's really a photograph of the captain of the exxon valdez when it had its famous real life oil spill in the uh in the 80s or 19, 1989 yeah 89 yeah it's really him. I love how he talks to Captain Joe.
0: And Captain Joe kind of has like a striking resemblance to Dennis Hopper's, which is interesting to me, at least. And I, I thought they he had kind of like a grandfather Hopper thing going on there. Yeah, it, it wasn't into that point where I was like, well, the D's, the D's, why do they keep calling it? Oh, the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> and then looking up, oh, yeah, the oil tanker that crashed in 89, spilled 11 million, 11 millions of, I don't know, why do I have 11 millions of oil? and that doesn't make any sense
1: i don't know but i like it what, what other weird plurals do you have in your notes i'm into this
0: yeah it's spilling 11 millions of oil <laughs> near alaska that's what i have but uh that's where hopper got all the go juice right it's just left over from the the big oil spill and i feel like i just figured this movie out
1: i don't think it's refined oil but whatever who cares right 25,000 feet of water from the ice caps melting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, so they go to invade the D's and you got the whole superhero montage as the girl was telling the henchman, uh, you know, the, the crazy looking guy we were talking about earlier. He's like Nord. the right hand man. Nord, yeah. He's telling Nord about how awesome Costner is, and you know, like, you can't kill him. He doesn't have a name, so death can't find him. And they're cutting, you know, between this and Costner just slipping in and out on the ship, killing different people. And I don't know. I, again, this was just kind of a cheesy, laugh out loud moment that I didn't really think worked but i don't know maybe you took it differently what did what did you think about this segment
1: no i mean i get what they were going for there and it was a little bit cool but yeah i don't know it was it was a little cheesy you know tina magerino i think she really ended up being a pretty good actress but she's a little raw here and it's kind of tough to sell that it's not the best written dialogue of the movie so yeah i mean it yeah. was them James Newton Howard kind of made the scene better with his music, but it's a little goofy, her talking about him like that. But then again, me, then, then again, Jordan, you know, she's seen him be bad. She knows he's bad. He's like Aslan from, from the line, the wish in the wardrobe, right? When they're like, is, is, is he safe? And they're like, no, he's, he's good, but he's not safe. And that's the Mariner, man. He's good.
0: Don't compare the safe. Mariner to Aslan. Don't Tartish Aslan like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, no, it just feels like Costner is like, oh, yeah, I'm like this badass Mariner superhero character. But to me, I'm like, no, dude, like, you're kind of weird. You're kind of awkward. You're not that cool.
1: That's but he mean. Just, it,
0: he just feels like he wants to be really you cool. Anti- Gil, you anti Gillite, you. But he does have a cool scene later when uh, he faces off with Hopper and he's on the deck of the ship. He's like a hundred yards away from Hopper and Hopper's up top on the his little pedestal and Costner's just like, I just want the girl, which, you know, again, kind of flat and kind of lame, like everything Costner says in this movie. But I did like the threat of him blowing up the whole place with a flare, which he then does. That was pretty cool when he drops the flare and just kind of blows up the whole ship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How awesome was the old guy down there when he sees the flare ignite the oil and says, oh, thank God. Like he just wants yeah. to be free of this. He misery. just wants to die. Oh, yeah. buddy. <laughs> right. The nihilistic side of me when I was when I was 14 and I watched this. Just I love that so much. I thought that guy was so cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's got like two shots in the movie. Like, <laughs> He's oh, be that guy? yeah want to be that old guy stuck in a pit (laughs) (laughs) and then die via oil explosion he
1: welcomes the sweet embrace of death i love yeah
0: (laughs) no that was a that was a good line where he's just like oh finally i get to die so then you got you know another action sequence which is which is pretty rad following that where costner is trying to get the girl back and take out hopper and Hopper's trying to get away, he tries to fly away on this plane and you've got Costner creates like a zip line at one moment. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy here, all the different back and forth of what happens. But
1: this is not as fun as the action scene on the Atoll. It's a little messy. It does feel like they kind of had to cobble some footage together for this. Even though that stunt where he ziplines, Costner really did that. It's a pretty great stunt.
0: Yeah, it's a a cool moment. Uh, It's probably the coolest moment out of all this. And at one point, they're trying to get away on the hot air balloon. And the girl gets pulled down by hopper and so costner's got a bungee jump out of the hot air balloon down to the girl grab her and come back up all this while helen up in the hot air balloon's got to tie the end the other end of the the bungee cord real quick i mean again how it's just the 90s you know it's just like the pity the epitome of 90s movie where your your character's in a hot air balloon has a bungee jump and then Hopper and all his bad guys crash into each other on jet skis and blow up. It's like three jet skis, but it's this giant explosion, and the hot air balloon is right next to it and floats away. It's just <laughs> so absurd.
1: <laughs> Did you notice earlier in the movie in the atoll scene where the the guy gets shot off the jet ski, and then it it kind of like floats up to the wall and lightly bumps it, and then it explodes like
0: <laughs> it just explodes
1: <laughs> like an atomic bomb. Thank God jet skis don't really do that. There'd be some major lawsuits going on, man. I don't think we'd see jet skis sailing around the seas anymore.
0: I I love how the jet skis explode if they bump into a wall. But like when Costner crash lands the plane that the little girl and Hopper are in, it just crashes and it's fine. You know, it doesn't explode because, you know, the little girl's in there. It can't explode.
1: She can't die right there. That would be a big downer. She's got to help lead everyone to dry land. So it doesn't happen.
0: That's right. Time. You know, they get away from Hopper. Uh, he's you know killed in the jet ski explosion. They find dry land and... This also made me laugh out loud. When they find dry land and everyone is rejoicing and exploring the island, the look of fear and concern on Costner's face as he's trying to pull off this fish man out of water. <laughs> and he's surrounded by the jungle. I just love the idea of director Kevin Reynolds saying, okay, Costner, you've only owned water, but it's not just the land sickness like the others. You are a man, but... You are also a fish. And I don't know, it's just that look on his face is just kind of so over the top and ham fisted for me.
1: <laughs> uh, again, showing your anti Gillite nature. No, I, honestly, I, I'm with you. I, I agree 100% right. because it just comes so fast, right? If they'd done a montage of them being on dry land for a minute, and him just finding that he doesn't like it, that's one thing. But they <laughs> literally just landed and he's looking around in right. like, a huge panic, like his whole life is over and he's just been majorly traumatized.
0: They could have done that a lot better. I don't know, just a more subtle way to show that where he's sitting down at a table or something and, uh, you know, there's some moment. Where he's looking out at the water. I don't know, you know, something just a little less ridiculous. Where he's like immediately on this land. He's like, oh no, it's land. Can't deal with this.
1: Yeah, he does. And I also think that Jan Triplehorn is a little goofy in this scene too, where they find Anola's dead parents. I don't know how they died side by side or why they sent her away or any of that stuff. Yeah, she's all laughing and giggling, and she busts into the room, and and it's just kind of weird. And we haven't really talked about this. And this is kind of your thing, too. So I'm kind of surprised you didn't comment on it. She does kind of have huge, big, terrified eyes throughout this movie. Uh, Really, that's kind of her performance in a nutshell is kind of complain about Costner a lot. I'm not going to really complain about her performance, but they definitely wrote her to where... She's just going to constantly be nagging Costner in the most annoying way possible. Just from the get-go. Like when they get off the atoll and he's like, can you steer a boat? And she says, can I trust you? Like, why are you asking him that now? You're escaping and he's clearly trying to get you to help him steer the boat so that you can escape. And I feel like they kind of do that with her throughout the next hour of the movie. She's just constantly on him and it's kind of like they make her like a nagging wife because they're trying to show that she's very strong and independent but that's not how she comes across she kind of comes across as uh, like dependent but i don't know what i'm trying to say here i just feel like they could have done a better job with her character
0: you're not doing yourself any favors with the ladies at this point you just <laughs> you're showing your sexism nick
1: i'll tell you what all the women who hold up helen from waterworld is a feminist icon my apologies <laughs>
0: She's based on Helen of Troy. Come on. (laughs) No, I didn't really have, I I can see your point, but you know, watching it, I didn't really have that big of an issue with her character, but you're right. I mean, both her and the girl you know, and I could argue Costner are all kind of one dimensional. They don't really dive into their characters too much, but you don't really need to when you've got you know, $22 million sets in front of you and jet skis exploding. That's, that's all you really want out of this movie. And honestly, I could have used more of that. And, and I wanted to talk about the lingo some more in the customs and like the world building, like all that stuff was really interesting. You know, I could have done with more of that. And I feel, does it, it sounds like it goes more into that with Ulysses cut and some of the scenes they bring back where they get into more like the religion of the smokers and that kind of thing. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, but it's not anything that's like really tightly defined. He mentions oh, okay. Poseidon at some point. It's it's just really loose. I mean, there's stuff there getting into their religion and that they're kind of fanatics, which again, maybe makes it relate more to now. But it's, it's nothing that's, like, really well done. It's just more, okay. that's kind of the thing with the Ulysses cut. There's a lot of extra details, and they fill out the little the world a little better, but for the most part, none of them are, like, really well done to where they're necessary. This movie at three hours definitely does not work. Oh, and you know why it's called the Ulysses cut?
0: Because she gives him the name Ulysses.
1: That's right. You spoiled it. She gives him the name (laughs) Ulysses. She tells him the story of Ulysses and says, that's you. You're Ulysses, which is dumb, right? Because the whole point, because this is really. That is kind of dumb. It's really a Western on water. And the nameless protagonist is sort of like a Western thing, right? So that's right. perfect for this movie. And giving him a name just it makes it stupid. I I thought that was dumb.
0: Not that I want to watch a three-hour version of this movie, but this is kind of reminding me of Alien 3 and the assembly cut with those other details added back in that I liked a lot. And, you know, again, the religion vibe, that kind of stuff they cut out of the theatrical. So I don't know. Can I trust you, Nick? Maybe I need to go and watch the Ulysses cut and see that extra stuff and decide for myself.
1: I knew you would say that. I absolutely knew you would say that, (laughs) and I prepared a response. Are you ready for the response? Give it to me. Jordan, you enjoyed the cut of Alien that was much longer because it was composed from the working print of Alien Mm -hmm. 3 and thus has a certain logic and flow. The Waterworld cut does not have the logical flow that comes from a creator.
0: Okay, solid, solid. I I, I hear you. So, yeah. I I mean, when you said it sounded like... When you said it looked like they had just basically taken all the deleted scenes from the special features and thrown them in, like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. I feel like this is a well-paced movie. Like, I feel like um, I I never found it dragging too much. Um, You know, maybe there's quieter moments, but... Feel like there's action sprinkled throughout which was nice and it kept my interest and even though i didn't care for the main character so much yeah there's enough going on in the world and the sets and the costumes and the lingo and dennis freaking hopper so there's enough going on that i liked it as it is overall costner brings it down for me a whole two stars just can't deal with the costner but yeah three out of five for my star rating how about you
1: cool I I give it a seven out of ten so just 0. 0.5 better than you on your scale I think it's a fun big dumb action movie I love the scale for sure. i love the sets I love the design but i mean it is it is dumb it, it's dumb <laughs> I like Coster's yeah. performance but I mean it, it's a dumb movie and honestly I think a big dumb action movie can definitely be an eight and if it's absolutely perfect a nine and if it's like flawlessly a big, dumb action movie, maybe even very rarely a 10, but I feel like the movie kind of does fall apart at the, the, it really feels like kind of a hodgepodge of footage in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. The characters aren't drawn that well, but it's big and dumb and fun. I love the score. I love how it looks. I love the vibe. It's got a great mid nineties, sort of new age vibe too, that you know For was sure. very particular to the time. So, yeah, I, this movie does have a special place in my heart. I will watch my Arrow Blu-ray from time to time from now on. i will got the La La Land soundtrack for, uh, for the movie, and it's incredible. I'll listen to that a lot. But, yeah, 7 out of 10.
0: Nice. Yeah, Kevin Reynolds' direction here is not bad either. I felt like he handles the big-budget movie well. And, I mean, it's just impressive that they got... The footage that they got again out on the ocean and just uh you know was it nominated or I, I don't think it won but it was nominated for best sound and i do remember at one point i think it was during the uh, action scene in the atoll thinking to myself wow the sound here sounds really good even though this camera is rushing here and there and the characters are all over the place and you know like i said the score is pretty awesome speaking of kevin reynolds I really love his other movie. One of well, one of his other movies, The Count of Monte Cristo, from two thousand two. Remember seeing that in the theater when he came out, and was really blown away. And I believe it was my first time experiencing that material, and just really impactful. Love Jim Caviezel and Guy Pearce and that, and um, just really great, well told story. So it's
1: not as good as the book. No, the, the book is really <laughs> long. That's a that's a solid movie. And great sword fight at the end.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, just all that stuff with him in the prison, him escaping and all that was, yeah, just love all that stuff. And yeah, I feel like Kevin Reynolds is a solid director for that kind of thing.
1: For sure, man. For sure.
0: Good deal. Well, it's time to move on to movie connection real quick before we get into trivia. So I'm tasked with connecting this to Titanic. Easy one here and kind of segued off of your Titanic pick with, you know, big budget Lots of water. Big boats sinking, causing catastrophes. You know, you got the Valdez here. You got the Titanic there. Awkward romance, of course, in both of these pictures. And uh, big action scenes that are really enjoyable amidst some pretty subpar dialogue. Nude leading ladies. Kate Winslet and Jean, well, her body double at least. And uh, some attempt at a moral message, perhaps, with the global warming aspect to... Waterworld and I don't know, I don't know, the moral message of uh, not searching for uh, a diamond your whole life and being greedy, but uh, enjoying life instead and uh, not letting it pass you up. That's all I got. A A lot of connections.
1: Yeah, I feel like because I never fulfilled that part of our show very well, you were just showing off there, honestly. So <laughs> great job, Jordan. Great job. No,
0: I mean these movies are just so similar. How you know, just just handed to me. I did myself a favor. I feel like with picking this right after Titanic, at least for this segment. All right. Well, you ready to move on to trivia?
1: Let's do it. Hold it! Ah. Ah. pop quiz, hot shot. All right, Jordan. Well, I'll go first. Waterworld was considered the most expensive movie ever made in its time. But which film was the first to cost more than $100 million to make? Was it A, 1989's Batman, B, True Lies, C, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, or D, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom?
0: Batman or Terminator 2. I'm going to say Terminator 2.
1: Jordan, you were so close, but you were wrong. It's actually true lies. Isn't that crazy? It's Cameron always breaking these budget barriers, right? And yeah. This was the movie he did before Titanic and a year before Waterworld. So Waterworld obviously passed $100 million the next year, significantly. But then Titanic came along just a few years later and blew that out of the water.
0: Whoa. How much was Waterworld again?
1: I don't think we've ever gotten... A realistic number of of how much it costs i've i've heard 200 million a lot i've heard 250 million before but i think probably the safest bet to say is somewhere between 170 and 200
0: million gotcha all right question number one for me what was kevin reynolds first feature-length film also starring kevin costner was it a fandango B. The Beast of War, C. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or D. Red Dawn. Ah, uh, was uh,
1: was Kevin Costner in Fandango? I'll just go with Fandango. You got it. All right. That was yeah.
0: Kevin Reynolds' first feature the film, and Kevin Costner was yeah in his first feature. So they have they have had some time together. Didn't always <laughs> get along, apparently. But they made a lot of movies together for some reason.
1: (laughs) Well, good start for me. All right, here's your second question. The Waterworld was reported as a flop. It actually recouped its budget and ranked ninth in worldwide box office for the year. Which of Costner's films had the highest domestic gross? Was it A, Waterworld, B, Dances with Wolves, C, JFK, or D, Field of Dreams?
0: Mm Hmm. I'm just going to go with Dances with Wolves. You got it. Nice. Nice.
1: We're tied.
0: Good deal. All right. So Kevin Costner has directed three films. What was Kevin Costner's third directorial effort? Was it A, Open Range, B, The Postman, C, Let Him Go, or D, Dances with Wolves?
1: I have an order in my head that could be wrong, because I don't know of other ones that he did, besides three of the ones you mentioned, so I'm just going to guess Open Range.
0: You got it again, my friend. Woo! Dances with Wolves, The Postman, and Open Range. All
1: right, that's what I thought, right on. All right, wait a minute, so if you miss this one, I win. Basically. All right, here we go. The stakes just got raised on this question. For which film was Dennis Hopper nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar? Was it A. Easy Rider, B. Hoosiers, C. Out of the Blue, D. Blue Velvet, or E. Super Mario Brothers?
0: (laughs) It's got to be Super Mario, though. I believe it was Blue Velvet.
1: Incorrect. It was Hoosiers.
0: Hoosiers, damn it. (laughs) I think he was nominated at least for Blue Velvet, right?
1: No, he was only nominated. He was
0: only for okay, Heusers. so he was nominated for Hugers, but he didn't win.
1: That's correct. That's his only Academy Award nomination for acting. Damn it! All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, you lose, my friend. You lose, and I was only back halfway. to the
0: good old days. <laughs> See, I told you you couldn't take this away from me, Nick.
1: This is Apparently mine. I can't.
0: <laughs> this is mine. Oh man,
1: and I feel bad too because, well, let let's go with the movie that I'm not punishing you with, and that's just going to be our main feature for the next Ooh, episode. What do we got? But, well, here's the deal: we do movie connections every episode, and I always forget to make a movie <laughs> connection, and then I have to just make up some BS, and then you make fun of me, and I I know that what I'm saying is <laughs> I never stupid, make fun and I of can't you, Dave. <laughs>
0: I love you, Nick. I would never make fun of you.
1: (laughs) We never make fun of each other on this show, you damn millennial. So Hmm. here's what I want to do. I want to make the easiest connection possible for myself. (laughs) And I think you can maybe guess what the easiest connection to this movie would be. Want to go for it? Uh, I'll do
0: it for you. I have no idea, actually.
1: We're going to watch another Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner collaboration. Let's do 1991's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves.
0: Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, Christian Slater, man. Back to the Slater.
1: That's why I picked it, man. I know you love the Slater. Why not, right? It's an easy connection for me. I remember this being fun. Maybe it's stupid. I don't know, but I thought it was badass in the
0: 90s. Confession I don't know if I've ever seen this.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Oh
0: yeah yeah. I yeah. I mean, I feel like again it's probably one of those I caught a little bit of here and there on TV maybe at best, but I don't have any memory of this movie. I'm interested except for I think I'm really going to hate Coster this too. Just like I did Waterworld, but I don't know, we'll see. He he just all the stills from this movie I've seen, he just looks stupid. <laughs> I don't know. But I love Slater. I love Slater. So maybe that, you know, that'll help, you know, boost it a little bit.
1: I think it will, man. And Alan Rickman is the villain.
0: Oh, yeah. Alan Rickman.
1: Can I just quote Hulk Hogan from Mr. Nanny Step into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome, dude. You're going to love it.
0: Wait, is that is that Hulk Hogan? I feel like, hey, isn't sh- that Randy sh- Savage? Sh- sh- Wait, that's Randy sh- Savage.
1: <laughs> shush, shush, I'm editing this out that you're saying right now. And it's
0: not step into a Slim Jim, it's snap into a Slim Jim.
1: Oh, shush, sh- I didn't get that wrong too,
0: shush. You didn't actually watch Mr. Nanny, did you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Full confession, I did watch Mr. Nanny. And this is the worst part, and I didn't even mention this. I I have uh, HBO Max because I yelled at Directv once because they charged me for HBO when they said they wouldn't, so I have it free for life now. And oh, nice! It was on HBO Max, right? So I broke it into three viewings. I watched two fifteen minute chunks. And I was like, man, you know, this is fun. It's a horrible movie, but I'm having fun watching it. (laughs) And then Jordan, really, I got put to the test. Because I did this on New Year's Eve and December 30th. So I come back on January 1st, and it's not on HBO Max anymore. You know, I'm not used to this digital world yet. You know, I lived out in the boonies and didn't have the internet for a very long time. So I forget that movies can get removed from free services. So, Jordan, (laughs) I watched the last... 40 minutes of this movie on Amazon, and I paid three ninety nine to watch it. Oh, so, yes, I did ouch. indeed watch all of Mr. Nanny. I'm
0: ouch, yeah. Just uh, you know, being good. Putting your dedication to film shake to the test.
1: Well, Jordan, you're about to put your dedication to film shake to the test, because we know Robin Hood, prints a Thieves, even if you don't like Costner. That will be a fun watch. It's a real movie, right?
0: Yeah, I feel like it's going to be the, the replica of this movie where I hate the main character, but I'm going to love the villain and the side characters and the production value and you know the whole world that it builds. So, yeah, it was just a repeat of Waterworld for well, me. Well, yeah, I,
1: I hope you do, because that might make up for you having to watch 2018's Robin Hood, directed oh, by oh Otto no. Bathurst, starring oh, Taron Edgerton, no. oh, no. Jamie Foxx, Ben Mendelsohn. No. <laughs> eve houston tim minchkin and jamie oh, dornan God. have fun with that because i ain't watching
0: it this might be the worst punishment so far oh.
1: that's right man. folks join I us next time I quit
0: the show no there is no more show i'm done film <laughs> well, shakes over
1: oh Bye, man guys. jordan it's less than two hours long and guess what oh,
0: God. it's more than it was produced an hour thirty
1: It was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. No, it's 114 minutes. It's less than two hours.
0: Thank the Lord. Okay.
1: And this movie's got to be free somewhere, right? I mean...
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I can find it at the library.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. so next episode, Robin Hood and Robin Hood. It's going to be a merry old time.
0: Jeez. Well, at least we have some synergy there.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've
0: got some synergy with the movie connection. We've got some connection between fallen warrior and the deep dive so yeah there you go you know you want to know what i was going to make you watch if you lost
1: it's yeah, another kevin
0: costner pick it's apparently his worst film according to imdb with 2.6 on there for a user rating and that's Malibu Hot Summer.
1: Man, I, I don't even think I know what that is.
0: I don't know, teen summer movie. It just looks like trash. Uh, but uh, and this was before Costner, you know, was big or anything, but if you look on IMDb, they have some of the promo pictures for this film where it's obviously after Costner got big. They must have released like a DVD of this uh, like highlighting his character, even though you know it doesn't look like he's the main star in this at least, but uh, it's just got cool Costner. Hot sizzling babes, and it's got like a superimposed picture of him hovering above these ladies in bikinis on the beach.
1: TV Guide panned the film, writing that it was inept from the opening titles to the closing <laughs> credits. The alternate wow. title is Sizzle Beach USA. Oh, That's right, Jordan. Sizzle Beach. Jordan, how mean of you to, to make me watch this? It, I'm so glad it didn't work out. By the way, Costner was reportedly uncomfortable when filming a sex scene in the film. So maybe it's his thing, man. Maybe he's just like, I don't want to do this on camera. And that's why the one in Waterworld was a little awkward. You weren't just being an anti-Gillite.
0: That's right. See? It's all awkward. It's all terrible. (laughs) It's all crazy. It's all false. It's
1: all a dream.
0: It's all a dream. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to our show. And catch us next time for... The Robin Hood Double Feature. And you can send us an email at filmshakepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or thoughts about the show, find us on Twitter and Facebook at 90 Pod. And you can check out our website. Subscribe to our show via filmshake.buzzsprout.com. See all our episodes there like subscribe give us a star rating if you like all that good stuff thanks for listening and catch us again next time for more film shake
1: take it easy Let me ask you something that's really important, though. Can you give me 30 seconds to grab some Tums? You can talk about whatever you want. I have such bad heartburn from all the damn M&M's.